In today's podcast episode, I interview Gabby Dimeke, who is an amazing photographer based out of Austin. Now, our conversation kind of runs the gamut from building up a network and how you can meet people in a new location, and also touches on pricing and value and making sure that you're making money in your creative business. You're going to absolutely love this interview. Gabby is a commercial photographer based out of Austin, Texas, and she picked up a camera when she was 11 and hasn't put it down since. She studied fashion photography at the London College of Fashion in London, England, and then moved to New York City to work on a portrait series called Badass Women NYC. In 2020, she moved to Austin for a new adventure, and she loves the creative challenge of photographing people's portraits to capture their personality and likeness in an image. You're going to absolutely love this interview, so let's go check it out. Welcome to the Well-Paid Creative Podcast, where we discover how to run a profitable and satisfying creative business. I'm your host, Gabrielle Chipier, and I'm going to share with you what I've learned in my 17 years as a creative pro, building my own business from barely scraping by to thriving. From attracting quality clients to charging what you're worth and creating amazing work you love without the risk of burnout and overwhelm. But I don't know it all, so in this podcast, we're going to learn a lot together as I interview experts and reflect on my own experiences, both the good and the bad. Before we dive into this show, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, hop on over to wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. All right, let's dive in. Hello, welcome to the podcast, everybody. I am here with someone who I am incredibly excited to have a conversation with. Her name is Gabby Dimunkey, and she's a photographer based in Austin, Texas. Welcome to the podcast, Gabby. Thank you so much. Great name, by the way. <laughs> yes, we were talking about that right before we hopped on that same name. We, we have to be on a certain level today. <laughs> mm-hmm, perfect. Okay, so tell me a little bit about you, how you got to be here, and your fun story. Yes, so I am from Missouri, so I grew up on on a farm in a small town, and it was kind of funny because like, ever since I was little, I wanted to live in a city, be an artist, like all these things that my parents were kind of like, where did you get this idea? Like, you grew up on a farm. I wasn't even exposed to a lot of like art or photography. But once I got a camera, I was like, oh, this is my thing. This is what I'm meant to be doing. So I ended up, my mom gave me a camera when I was 12 and I kind of never put it down. I ended up studying photography in college in St. Louis, Missouri. And then I went to London for grad school and studied fashion photography there. And then after London, I moved to New York, spent a couple of years there working on my Badass Woman photo series, which I'm sure we will get into uh, in a little bit. And then after COVID times, my partner and I decided to move to Austin, Texas. So I'm here now doing a bunch of different kinds of photography, wedding photography, product, food. And when it's not COVID times, I also do concert and music festival photography. So lots of different creative outlets within photography, but I just love what I'm doing. And I'm so grateful that I literally get to do it as my job. Oh, wonderful. I love stories like that. (laughs) Perfect. So you moved from Missouri and then you went straight from Missouri to London. Yeah. That's quite the move. (laughs) It was. It was some culture shock involved. When I was in undergrad, I had done a few months study abroad in London. We had like a sister school at Regent's Park in London. So I had been there for a few months enough to kind of get a taste like, okay, this is really cool. 
And I thought grad school would be a great kind of excuse to keep learning more, keep practicing my photography, but also get to travel all around Europe. So I was like, I think when I first studied abroad, I was like 17, 18. So looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I have like a daughter, I probably wouldn't trust her to go abroad alone at 17, 18. (laughs) But it was a hugely, you know, transformative time for me just growing as a person and growing my, my creative skills. Wonderful. So when you finished your schooling in London, you said you moved directly to New York. And how was that from basically starting from scratch in New York in this big city? I mean, you're getting into fashion photography, which I'm assuming is a pretty tight knit community, a tight knit industry. What would you say was kind of your biggest breakthrough, your biggest factor in getting into that industry? Yeah. So for me, moving to a totally new city, I, when I moved there, I didn't know anybody. And I was like, okay, I'm out of school now. I'm going to be a photographer. How do I make a living doing that and running my own business? I I didn't really, I mean, I had taken like business classes in college, but I didn't really know. And so the huge thing that was really, really helpful for me was building out a network. So for me, it was like joining some photography groups, going to like networking happy hours, and just even like handing my business card out on the subway. I would just put myself out there all the time. Oh, hey, I'm a photographer. Oh, oh, your cousin needs family photos done. How about send me their information? Like I just literally would talk to anybody and promote my photography 24 seven. So I think building a network for any creative is huge to kind of getting your name out there. Absolutely. So I know a lot of us kind of, we struggle with this introverted tendencies when we're creative. What was the biggest factor for you to just kind of get yourself out there? Like, did you have to psych yourself up? Was there some tips or tricks that you used? (laughs) Definitely had to psych myself up. For me, I had to almost do like, I almost had to fake it till I made it kind of thing. So it was like, all right, shoulders up, very confident, like project that. And then I feel like after maybe five or 10 times of introducing myself, I kind of developed a pitch. I kind of knew what questions to ask and how to lead the conversation and how to be genuinely interested in what other people are talking about. I think that's one thing is sometimes I'm at a networking thing and I'm just thinking about what I'm going to say next. And it's like, Mm. I think one thing about it just being really genuine about being interested in other people's stories as well and having that genuine connection. So definitely, I think for women, especially you got to hype yourself up. You got to project that confidence, even if you aren't feeling it initially. Mm, And I love how you said you have to genuinely listen because I know, and I'm really bad for this as I do, I sit there and I think about, okay, well, what am I going to say next? How am I going to respond to this? And when you're doing that, you're, you're kind of zoned out from what that person is saying. You're not paying attention. You might miss some nuances or, or miss something that they said that you could be, you know, genuinely helpful for. So I love that you pointed that out because I think that gets us all. (laughs) And I think just like recognizing that like probably everyone feels a little uncomfortable and nervous in those kind of situations. Like talking to strangers is kind of awkward in general. So really just having some grace and being like, everyone's probably feeling like this can really help mindset wise to be like, okay, it's not just me coming in unexperienced. Like probably other people are feeling that way as well. So that helps too. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So when you were in New York, you mentioned the Badass Women Project. Tell me more about that. I'm so interested. Yeah. So it kind of went hand in hand with me starting my business. I, as I said, you know, I moved there. I didn't really know anybody. And I started looking around for inspiration and I saw all these awesome women who were starting their own businesses, who were, you know, doing these side side hustles or side projects, becoming entrepreneurs. And I was like, wow, they really like have their stuff together. They seem to know what they're doing. 
I'm just going to talk to these people and like see the struggles they went through, the things that really worked for them. So I just started sitting down and asking what, like, do you want to grab a coffee? Do you want to have hop on a quick call and kind of like listen to their story and, and hear, you know, things that worked for them. And then after about six to eight months in New York, I, I kind of made it this thing where when I would do the kind of informal interview with them, I would ask to take their photo as well, because I just love photographing Mm -hmm. portraits of people. I think people are so unique and everyone's different. So I love to try to capture your personality in a photo. So as we were doing the interview, I would just take their picture. And then I realized like, oh my gosh, I think this could be like an actual photo series where I have like a standard list of questions. I ask it to this like amazing entrepreneurs and also take their portrait and then kind of have this collection of all these badass women. Awesome. I love that. And we're going to link up to that down below in the show notes. If you're watching, you can, or if you're listening, you can go check that out. So how many women have you had in this series so far? Yeah. So actually the week before COVID, I finished the project in New York. I did 55 portraits of female founders and entrepreneurs. And then that, like, I think it was like the first or second week of March last year, 2020, I had an art gallery show and I hung up every picture of all women with a little quote and like some information about, you know, the business they had started. And I just invited all the women to come network with each other and like just seeing all of those photos on the wall together. It was like such a cool moment. So I did that in New York. And then when I moved to Austin, I was like, I think I want to keep doing this. So I'm doing this series here as well. I have about 20 done. I moved here in September. So I've been here like six months ish. And then I'm going to do 50 more portraits. And then hopefully by that time, COVID will be kind of died down and I can have another in-person art gallery show. And then hopefully I can do tons of other cities, you know, down the line. Wow. I love that. So in your process of interviewing all these women, have you noticed any sort of themes or any sort of kind of big universal ideas that kind of translate across all of them? Absolutely. I feel like the number one thing that people say, sort of maybe paraphrasing, so not word for word, but like the gist of kind of what a lot of them say is this idea of like having a fear or like being nervous, being anxious, being uncertain about it, but then doing it anyway. So kind of having that courage to be like, all right, I am confident in myself to know that even when problems come up, I believe in myself that I will be able to fix and solve and handle all of those problems. So I'm going to do it even if I don't know even what might come up in the future. So that has really, really motivated me and my business. Like just hearing that all these women, like I kind of thought like, oh, well, she runs a multi-million dollar business here. She's doing this. She's making all these impacts. Like she must not be like, have any doubt, have any self-doubt or worry, but that really wasn't the case. They're like, oh no, I have that all the time. I have imposter syndrome all the time. It's just that I've learned to not listen to that. And I've learned to do it anyway. So that was like huge for me. Mm -hmm. I I was like, oh, okay. So I've definitely taken that to heart and tried to kind of live that sentiment in my business as well. You know, and it's funny because that's one of those ideas that you hear, you hear a lot, you know, just feel the fear, do it anyway. Right. And it's one of those things that people will be like, yeah, 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 whatever, right? It's almost like a big abstract concept rather than like something that's a tangible, like, oh, do this step one, two, three. So it's kind of hard to even Mm -hmm. do, put into practice. Absolutely. And I find when someone actually experiences that for the first time in their own life, that's when it kind of clicks and they go, oh, like they took that moment where they were like, I am scared. I am like literally shaking in my boots, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then at the end, they feel that big rush and, you know, something positive comes up from it. And then all of a sudden it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So until you have like firsthand experience of that, it just kind of goes over your head. 
And one thing my boyfriend and I do just kind of for fun is we have this like idea of like reframing failure. So we try to just put Mm -hmm. ourselves out there as many times as we can, just as like a test and a practice so that when it is a certain like important time where we do need to put ourselves out there and we're feeling vulnerable, we have all this practice that we've done it in the past and it makes it not as bad. Like you're saying how once you actually try it and you're like, oh, okay, this isn't that bad. Like I, when I first moved to New York, I would just like DM random influencers on Instagram and I would just be like, hey, if you ever want to do a photo shoot, let me know. And I just got really, really numb to a lot of them being like, oh, sorry, no, I already have a photographer or like, oh, your prices are too high or et cetera, et cetera. But then you get one person who's like, oh my God, this is exactly what I've been looking for. Like, let's schedule it. And you're like, I wouldn't have even gotten that had I not done it. So it definitely like motivates you. I love that. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. I'm all behind that. (laughs) So as you were DMing people and reaching out and just putting yourself on the line, like you got a lot of messages that said, you know, you're too expensive. How did you overcome that? Because I know pricing and, you know, money is a really hot topic with creatives because a lot of us were like, well, we just want to do what we want to do. You know, I love photography. I just want to take photos or I love, you know, graphic design. I just want to do that. Right. Why do I have to do sales? Why do I have to talk about money? So I kind of am behind the idea of normalizing, Mm -hmm. focusing on money, especially profit, like the difference between revenue and profit. So how did that show up for you in your career and building your business? Yeah. So I think there was definitely this like pinpoint in New York that shifted for me where I had always done photography. Like I'd always, even in college, like I had just done it, you know, taking photos of my friends on the weekends. Like I just always had my camera with me. But then once I moved to New York and I was doing it as my business, there was a shift where it was like, oh, I have to make money doing this. Like I have to charge my rate and go from being more of kind of, I'm just doing this for fun. It's creative. No, this is my livelihood. Therefore I have to, you know, associate some value to it. And so I think a huge thing is kind of removing that like starving artist complex where it's Mm. like, you don't have to make low money if you're an artist or a creative, like that's just not the case anymore. Like wedding photography is something that I, is a big area of the photography I do. And it's some of the most lucrative photography. Like, so the fact that you can't be creative and be an artist, but then also make money. Like, I just think like we need to shift kind of that idea of like the arts are not as lucrative. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Creativity is one of those things that can't really survive and can't really thrive when someone's stressed out. Yeah. And when someone's in those feel in, in those situations where they're not feeling supported, you know, they're constantly bouncing from place to place trying to figure out how to, you know, make rent, pay bills, yep. all those things, right? So when you take that concept of, okay, well, I need this in order to not only survive and thrive but also to be creative and to do my best work so that I'm not stressed out and, you know, my mind's all over the place, right? It kind of gives you a different viewpoint of looking at money and pricing. Totally. And actually one of the women from the Badass Women, she's a life coach in New York. She gave me this awesome kind of thought process because when she started out, she was like, oh, I don't have as much experience. Like, I don't want to charge a lot. And one of her mentors was like, take out a piece of paper. I want you to write down a bunch of things. Number one, if you've gone to college or if you've taken any classes or any experience that you've paid for, write down how much that costs. If you've taken any, you know, weekend classes, write that down. All right. If you have any equipment. So for me, it'd be photography gear, lighting equipment, write down the cost of all that gear that you've paid for, and then add all of those things up. 
and it's probably a pretty big number by the time you add in all of your time that you've invested, you know, schooling, equipment, et cetera. And they're like, okay, see this huge number, like you are worth X, Y, Z that you're charging. So that was cool for me to just be like, oh, wow. You know, I've done undergrad, I've done grad school. I have all this equipment. Like I really have skills and experience and have invested a lot of time into this. So that helped me kind of validate charging what I do. So that was one thing that helped me kind of make that mindset shift as well. Absolutely. Right. And especially when you're viewing like, okay, I'm going to work for five hours on this project, Mm -hmm. right? When you take all of that into account, your five hours is worth exponentially more than like, you know, minimum wage. You're not making coffee here, right? (laughs) Like you're doing so much more than that. Right. So when you think about that, okay, well, your hourly wage has to be worth it for both your experience and your skills, and also for what you need to make in a month. Exactly. What you need to do to survive, right? No, you totally hit the nail on the head. Another thing I love to do is just talk to other people in the industry and see kind of like, all right, what's industry standard? What are, you know, as I move from New York to Texas, the pricing for different things shifted slightly. So kind of like re-talking to other photographers in the area, like, okay, great. This is what a first shoot or second shoot is kind of the hourly standard here. I think all of that can help you have that knowledge so that when someone asks, oh, why do you charge 75 an hour or whatever it might be that you're like, oh, well, it's because of this. It's because of this. And it's not just, oh, I just made up a random number because I'm not sure. It's like you have that knowledge to understand why you're charging what you charge to. Yeah, absolutely. And also understanding that you don't have to justify what you charge, right? Oh yeah. Like there's a lot of people who, if you give them a price and they'll say that's too expensive, there are infinitely more people who you give a price and they'll be like, oh, that's totally reasonable here. Where do I pay you? Right. And it's just about finding the people who are the latter. You said it exactly. Like if you're talking with a client and they're going back and forth and they're like really just trying to get you to, oh, go a little bit less, go a little bit less. Like you probably should like notice those as kind of red flags. You're totally right. Like there, I feel like I have clients who are like, they want to pay the least amount and then get all these extra edits and all these things. And then on the other end, you have a client who I give the number, they're like, oh, great. And then they pay a huge tip and they're like, great, here are the pictures. It's done. And you know, like, it's not an issue. So it's Mm -hmm. just interesting how you totally have to find like your ideal client and you might not be for everybody. I've learned that with my photography. I'm not for everyone. I have a certain style. Mm -hmm. I have a certain price point. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with finding clients that are good mesh with me because then I know we're both kind of having a symbiotic relationship. We're getting what we want and we're all happy with it. So you do have to just kind of find your target audience as well. Absolutely. And I mean, and part of that, I mean, when you're talking about magnetism, part of it is attracting and part of it is repelling, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be okay with repelling the people who aren't perfect for you. Yeah. And on the piece of attracting, one tip that I got once that was really helpful was to put out on your website and social media, the kind of work that you want to be getting versus necessarily the clients you're all getting right now. So you know, when I first moved here, maybe I was doing more product photography, but I really want to be shooting people. Well, on my Instagram and website, uh, on my homepage, I'm promoting all my portrait work, all my badass women stuff. And it's just crazy how, because the badass women was just a passion project that I post a lot about because I love empowering women. That's a lot of the clients I've been getting lately is like, you know, women in small businesses in Austin being like, oh, I saw this photo shoot you did. Like, I want to do something like that for my business. So definitely putting out for the clients you're trying to get can be a huge step, you know, moving your business forward too. Absolutely. I love that. And that would work perfectly if you're like pivoting your services or if you're starting in a new industry, if you just kind of 
continue with that mindset of like, okay, well, this is what I want to be doing. So I'm going to put that out there and then I'll attract more of what I want to be doing. And I've done that a number of times. I mean, I've done a whole lot of this in my career, right? (laughs) And I remember one of the big parts was when I left Shell and started just doing like graphic and web design at home, when I first started opening my business, I was just working for a lot of small businesses, oil and gas companies, stuff like that. And I didn't really want to be doing that work. But I had all of this experience in instructional design doing online courses for Shell Canada. So I just started pivoting Mm -hmm. to promoting that. Mm -hmm. And even though that was the only client I had done that for in the past, I brought that in and I started booking course clients. Mm -hmm. And it was just such a, a neat shift because it was almost you know, a month or two of promoting that before I got clients. And then it was just nothing but course clients, right? Mm -hmm. It was like the dam broke and all of them came to me. And I think you're totally right. Like a lot of people think like, oh, if I'm going to shift to graphic design, I need to have 25 examples of graphic design projects I've done for clients where it's like, no, if you have one or two or three really good projects that you're passionate about, that's going to be enough that people can look at it and see what you're capable of. They just need to see like, okay, they're passionate about this area. They have skills in it. Like they don't need to see, you know, a full 50 page document of every project ever. They just need to see something to be like, oh, okay. I want something similar. Like I'm going to reach out to them. So I, I love that you did that. Mm-hmm. And it works. It really does. And I think we get up all in our heads and we kind of, oh, well, we need all of this proof, but really most clients, when they hire you, one, they hire you for you, I think above all. And then second, they just want to make sure that you're going to help them reach their goals. So. Once you get past those two stumbling blocks and you're confident that you're going to be able to do that, then we just kind of get in our own way for the most part. <laughs> yeah. And I will say I've had a couple clients where they had a piece of the project where I had maybe not done that kind of specific photography before. Like one that's coming to my head is like a makeup company. I'd photographed products for makeup before, but they wanted some specific like, you know, background removed, transparent, add a shadow, like more Photoshop intensive work and kind of going in and being like, all right, you know what? I'm going to figure this out. Sure. I'll do this project for you. Being upfront with like, Hey, I haven't done this piece, but you know what? I'm willing to give it a shot. If you are, that can go a long way in being like, all right, I'm just going to try it and we'll see how it goes and we can work and build together from there. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And realizing when things are just like just a stretch versus something that is like totally outside of your wheelhouse. I've had to turn down clients where they were like, do you do this? And I said, no, like (laughs) I could figure it out if I really wanted to, but the amount of time it would take me to figure that out wouldn't be worth it for me or for you. Right. I think, oh, so when something is just a little bit of a stretch, you're like, okay, I've done something similar and it's just kind of figuring out a few of the fine details. Right. And not being afraid to say yes to those kind of projects. I feel like those projects, the little stretch projects are they're right outside your comfort zone, but those are really what help you grow as a creative. Mm-hmm. And it also kind of helps you figure out what you do and don't want to do because you could do a stretch project and be like, oh no, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> and then that's just point. one more column in the, one more tick in the knowing yourself and your business and what you want to do better. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I love this. This has been a fantastic conversation, Gabby. I'm super excited that you came on the podcast. So we are going to link up Gabby's links to the Badass Women Project down below and her social media. You'll have to go follow her. She has amazing photos on there. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. So great. I hope you guys take these tips and yeah, put it toward your creative endeavor and wishing everyone all the success.
Wonderful. Okay. So last question of the interview. I asked this of everybody. Do you have a hobby or activity that you do on the side just for you? Okay. So yes, this is sort of still within photography, but I feel like it counts. In my free time, I love to go to different music festivals all over the country. And I try to get my camera in and also take pictures. So definitely going to music festivals, going to concerts is big, but my new thing has been incorporating photography with that. And that's something that is a total stretch project for me. I had never photographed concerts before last year. So it's been really fun to kind of collide loving music and then also getting to do photography with it. Oh, that sounds fun. And you know what? I imagine that would be pretty hard to do because the concert environment is so different than any sort of like controlled photo kind of environment. It's really crazy. Like if you get a pit photo pass, you get to go to the front, but it's like pitch black and you have no more than 15 minutes to get all the photos. So it's like, Mm. it's crazy. People are like yelling. You got to like focus, but actually doing wedding photography and like kind of always having to be like ready for anything to happen really kind of like helped me transition into doing music and festivals because it's just very fast paced on the go. You kind of always have to be alert. So it's kind of interesting. You would never think wedding photography would kind of help with those skills, but it definitely has. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Gabby. And I really enjoyed this conversation today. Awesome. Hope everyone has a great day. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Well-Paid Creative. All the discussions we have around these episodes mean a lot to me, and I love how much I learn from the creatives who listen in. Before we head out, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, visit wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. Join me for the next episode as we continue discussing how you can grow and love a profitable creative business. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone you think would benefit. Thanks so much. See you soon.